Well, Matt, I'm so grateful and so excited for you to join us. And um, for all you people that are listening, this is Matt Luckett. He is the director of the Justice House of Prayer in Washington, D.C., and also Bound for Life. And so Matt just came into Florida from Washington, D.C., and I'm really excited to pick your brain because today's topic is on this intercessor by the name of Reese Howell. And without knowing much of your past, when I thought of you, Matt, I always linked you with this guy. And hmm. so, wow. so with all of that, can you share with us who was Reese Howells? Yeah, so there was this guy, not very many people know who Reese Howells was. And he's become something of a, a very special focus for me in study, but then also I, I would probably say that there's no other historical figure apart from, you know, the, the big ones in Christianity. When we're talking about modern Christians and their faith walk, there's probably no one else that compares to the impact of Reese Howells on my own prayer life, but then also our team in Washington, D.C. And, and I think sort of like the spiritual family of those that surround us. He's someone of, of great significance and Really, what you have is a man who was born in 1879, and he died in 1950. Wow. So that's the window of time for his lifespan. But when you look at that span of years in terms of American history, mm -hmm. the history in the UK, and the history of the world, that span of years right there is wildly significant. Yeah. You, of course, we're here talking with a special interest in missions. And so you have a man who's born during the student volunteer missions movement. That's right. And then gets converted, and then God uses in a powerful way on the mission field in Africa. But then you have the world shifting, world history is changing during yeah. that time span. And you have two world wars that begin and end within his own lifespan. And so, when you study this man's life, you see someone who is alive and engaged in advancing the kingdom of God yeah. under a variety of conditions. Yeah. And, and I think that window of time is of special interest because you have him on the scene when there's great expansion of the kingdom and the advancement of the gospel thanks to the student volunteer movement. Uh, but then you have a shift in the global storyline of world war yeah, and the effect that, that had on missions. As the world events are changing, you can look through the lens of this one man's life and you can see how he responded to it. Wow. And I think that's probably been the biggest fascination for me is not to be overwhelmed by the global storyline, yeah. but to look at how God can use one person's life yeah. to make a dramatic impact. Wow. So he was a missionary to Africa. Yeah. And then when he was done with his, most people's prayers consist of gratitude, thanksgiving prayers, and then mostly falls under personal needs, which are important. But can you unpack a little bit about what intercession is mm -hmm. and then how Reese, Reese Howells was an intercessor? Yeah. Let me, let me back up a little bit, because I think that to understand how Reese lived his life, you kind of have to 
to look at how he developed through some of these years that I was just mentioning. He was born in Wales. Mm -hmm. He came to America as a young man because this was a land of opportunity and he had been a coal miner. He worked in 10 mil in Wales. But you, if you wanted to make it a name for yourself, if you wanted to make a living, yeah. you went to America. So he ends up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's working in a 10 mil there. And it's right at the turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And at the preaching of a Messianic Jew oh, wow. named Maurice Rubin, he gets converted in 1903. And the Lord spoke to him to go back home because he was going to do something. God wanted to do something in his home country of Wales. So he, re- he leaves America and he returns to Wales in 1904. And that was the... That's Welsh revival. <laughs> right. So he gets back just in time wow. for the great Welsh revival of 1904. Wow. And so for two years, he's a part of this revival atmosphere where literally an entire nation yeah. was transformed. The jails were empty. The yeah. sports stadiums were empty. God made a massive impact. And I've heard this said, the Welsh revival was of such significance and impact that every revival that has happened in the last 100 years can all be traced back in some way to that revival and and the impact that it's had in different places. So he's in the middle of all of this, but then he noticed something after the revival was done that that really was tragic in it, in that there were a lot of people that converted to Christianity as a result of the revival, but there was a huge fall away factor. So what we call a, a fall away factor would be somebody who comes into the kingdom because there was a preaching of the gospel, but then in the aftermath of it, mm-hmm. the word fails to take root mm-hmm. and, and they return to their old ways. And so there was a huge fallaway factor in Wales after the revival. And Reese believed that there had to be something that could be done to stop that. And yeah. what he found is that there was really no prayer mm-hmm. going on. And so he became a man of prayer and was taught by God to pray in very intentional ways. And like you said earlier, prayer is more than blessing your food before you eat it and for a blessing before you go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. He was living in the villages there in Wales, and he went through a number of experiences over a course of years where God would speak to him. This is one of the unique marks of Reese's life is he just had an ear, a listening ear, Mm -hmm. where God could speak to him and give him instruction and he discerned it and he knew it but once he knew it he was responsible for it wow. so if somebody was sick he wouldn't just pray god if it's your will mm-hmm. heal him he would seek the lord and know whether or not that person was to be healed wow now that's kind of next level and that, yeah yeah you know that's challenging for all of us yeah but once he knew it was the lord's will he was responsible to pray until it was done wow and that be- then begins to develop his understanding of what an intercessor is. Yeah. And he, he drew a distinction between, well, particularly older people might call a prayer warrior, mm-hmm. somebody who knows how to just really fight and go after something in prayer yeah. versus an intercessor. Yeah. Because Reese said this, that a, a, a prayer warrior might pray and then be done with a matter and move on. But an yeah. intercessor is responsible wow. for a matter until it's done. Yeah and can never be free yeah. of it. And so if God gives you an assignment, you're, you're, 
you know, you're connected to it. And, and so an intercessor is somebody who would, would bring knowledge of what God's will is to a situation and refuse to leave until they That's saw right. that done. Wow. And, he, and so he began to develop this way of life mm -hmm. as a young man. Yeah. And then ultimately was led to the mission field in Africa. And I, I have a funny story for yeah. you. Well, he had actually asked God, you know, will you, you, what you did in the revival here in Wales, will you do it in Africa if I go? And God said, yes. And, and God promised him 10,000 souls wow. in Africa. So he knew that he was to go to Africa and that revival was going to come. So yeah. it's 1915. Now, if you don't know your European history or world history, mm -hmm. 1914 is when World War I began. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a man who lives on an island, right? He's in, he's in yeah. the UK. And so to get anywhere, you got to get on a ship. Mm -hmm. Well, at that time, there were German U-boats, which are submarines, yeah. that were prowling in what they call wolf packs. And they're prowling the oceans, and they began to declare war on commercial vessels. Oh, wow. So at this time, at the moment that Reese is going to the mission field, yeah. is when something had happened in the world that literally, by all rights, should have stopped him yeah. from going anywhere. Yes. Yeah. That's insane. Like, yeah. there's, there's submarines that are going to sink any yeah. ship in, in the water. And so he gets on a ship in 1915. I think one or two months after German U-boats had sunk the Lusitania. Whoa. which was a huge yeah. ocean liner. And, uh, and so there was a lot of fear, you know, throughout the world mm -hmm. because of what was happening. But he gets on a ship and he sets sail for Africa. And at some point, the captain of the ship got spooked. Presumably, yeah. there was reports of German U-boats in the area. Oh, wow. And so the, here's Reese on the ship going to the mission field. And the captain of the ship is going to turn around and go back. Yeah because of the threat. Mm -hmm. And Reese went to the captain and he said, don't turn around, don't go back. God has promised me 10,000 souls in Africa. Wow. Nothing is gonna come near us. Amazing. And, and you gotta think, that's crazy. Yeah. Think of all the other souls on that ship. That's right. He was taking responsibility yeah. because he had laid hold of a dimension in faith where he had confidence. He, he, yeah. You know, I think few of us have experienced that, mm -hmm. where we know what the will of God is and we stand in the confidence that yeah. God is going to do it. it. It's not about my For strength sure. or my yeah. willpower to make something happen. It's standing yeah. in the confidence of God. Yeah. So he convinces the captain not wow. to turn back and, and nothing happened. No German U-boat came near them. He went to Africa and throughout the duration of World War I, he was on the mission field in Swaziland, yeah. down in the south part of Africa near Mozambique. Mm -hmm. And God did what he promised. He saw 10,000 wow. souls converted. And not only that, but he's on the mission field uh -huh. during the last global pandemic. So 1918, wow. 1919, when Spanish flu hit yeah, yeah. and the whole world, like right as the world war is ending, yeah. Now the whole world's experiencing a, a pandemic. Yeah. And he's on the mission field during the last pandemic Whoa. and everyone is dying. And he had experienced a miracle of healing with the Lord. So he sent the word out. If you can get to our mission station, mm -hmm. you won't die. Wow. Now. Crazy. I, I don't even know what to make of this. But yeah. It's like he, he had touched a dimension of standing in the confidence of yeah. the will of God. Yeah. 
that I think few of us have experienced. Factually, we know that anybody who made it, as everyone's dying, yeah. anybody who made it to that mission station where Reese was, they didn't die. So anyway, after the war, it's 1920, mm-hmm. he comes back to England, and because he had experienced revival in the mission field, yeah. the missions society that sent him, they send him out as an itinerant because this is what it comes down to, John, mm-hmm. is, is it's not enough for us to experience God. We have to recruit the next generation. That's right. And so here it is. It's after the, the Great War, World War I. Yeah. The mission societies are like, we have to mobilize the next generation. Yeah. And so Reese had firsthand knowledge of revival and a move of God yeah. uh, in the mission field. And so for two years, he goes out, maybe three years, he goes out and he's preaching about what God had done in Africa. Yeah. He's beginning to rally the next generation. But, you know, they, they didn't think the way he thought. Mm-hmm. Their, their mentality was a little different. After the world changed, or the world war changed things. And I think we're in a similar time right now where yeah. we've just come through a pandemic, yeah. which had a radical impact mm-hmm. on the world and on this young generation that yeah. we have to recruit. Like, people think differently now. I think For there's, sure. there's threat of war again. Yeah. You know, even with Russia in the Ukraine right now, mm-hmm. we have war on the scene and people are having their thinking radically impacted. But, but he had a firsthand testimony uh-huh. of revival wow. that he was preaching. And, and so things are happening. And you, your question is, what is an intercessor? What he learned through all of those experiences is that you can't just put a toe in the water mm-hmm. and really feel like you've experienced, yeah. right? Like, and I think the way we treat prayer a lot of times is we just kind of want to, we want to pour prayer on at the end, yeah, like gravy. Yes. <laughs> or we want to, we want to sprinkle it on yeah. like cheese, yeah, to go on the top of yeah. the dish and you know? olive garden. Exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> would you like some cheese? Yeah. And they sit there yeah, and they yeah, yeah, some yeah. cheese. Yeah. That's been our our approach to prayer. Is like yeah. we come up with our ideas, we we make a plan. Mm-hmm. And we whiteboard it and we get all of our great ideas out there yeah. and then we pray. Yeah. And, and that's not what Reese did. Reese found that anything that God is going to do in a generation, he'll actually initiate it in prayer. Wow. He'll develop it in prayer, he'll sustain it in prayer, and he'll finish it in prayer. Wow. And so when we're talking about prayer and intercession, what we're talking about is something that is not sprinkled on at the end, but it's actually at the very core. Yeah. This does not, I'm not suggesting that this takes the place of the preaching of the gospel or anything. I'm saying that the preaching of the gospel cannot accomplish its task unless right. prayer and intercession is at the core. Yeah. The challenges it's so good. Yeah. on the global landscape are too yeah. big. Wow. And, and you and I, we're pretty smart guys, but our best plans, the best whiteboard we've ever made is nothing compared to the challenges that are that's right. The nations are facing yeah. right now. I, nobody knows. No, and if we're looking to political leaders for answers, they don't know either. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced that there is not a political leader on the field right now with any answers. That's true. The, na- the nations in a tug of war and, and, and everything feels, you know, un- unsteady right now. Yeah. But God is looking to find a generation that will live from the place of knowing him, encountering him, having a conversation with him on a daily basis. Yeah. And in that place in prayer, receiving the thoughts of God, receiving the assignments of God. Um, 
You had mentioned during Reese's time, he lived through two world wars, which is on a global scale. Mm -hmm. And so what was Reese's prayer life like during, you know, those wars? And what did he believe that his prayers could do in relation to the war? So for example, like, you know, Nazi Germany, he would have prayer meetings, you know, um, what I remember every night. And he believed that God was not only listening, but angels and demons were moving, mm -hmm. you know, through his prayers and he was actually making a difference. And so, you know, we have a conflict, you know, we have a war going on now. So could you share about, you know, what, what Reese did and what intercessors can be doing now with Russia and Ukraine? Yeah. Well, to get into that topic, what you have to see is that if you're anybody that is missions minded, you, you know, you're, you're thinking about how does the gospel go around the world? How do we reach every language, tribe, tongue, people, everybody? Yeah. How does that happen? How do we accomplish the task? Yeah. Because we know it will be accomplished. Yeah. So how do we get from where we are now to the accomplishing of that mission? Yeah. Reese. He, he had learned this way to pray, but he came back after World War I and he saw that the world had changed. Think about it. He was born during the heyday of the student volunteer movement yeah. where Great Britain was the superpower around yeah. the world. And that came with a lot of influence where missions societies, mm -hmm. mission sending organizations were able to benefit from that. Uh -huh. And there were open doors for missionaries to go. Yeah. When the wars broke out, doors began to close. Yeah. And so he comes back from the mission field as doors are closing around the world. Countries are closing to the gospel and, and it's a different world. I'll tell you a little interesting thing that happened in his lifespan. In 1922, this dictator named Mussolini, mm -hmm marches on Rome and he, he, he does a, an overthrow of the government and he seizes control. And there was a young guy named Adolf Hitler that was inspired by that. Mm -hmm. So in 1923, he attempts the same thing mm -hmm. in Germany. So the European nations are in turmoil after World War I and in particular Germany is a mess. And so this young guy, Hitler, tries to overthrow the government in 1923 and he fails. Mm -hmm. He gets arrested mm -hmm. and he gets put in prison for a year. So it's 1924 and Adolf Hitler is in prison. And it's while he's in prison that he wrote the book Mein Kampf, wow. which is translated My Struggle. This was his manifesto. Yeah. This is what was gonna set out his vision for the future yeah. of how he's going to transform the world. Yeah. At the same time, you have a young Reese Howells who is saying the world is changing. The old way of doing things isn't gonna work anymore. So he begins to tell people in Wales and in England, we need a school. We need a school to train missionaries how to pray. Wow. And so Reese starts the Bible College of Wales yeah. in 1924. So these two great things are yeah. happening at exactly the same time. And that's always had my attention mm -hmm. that, that, that that would line up in the timeline, that, that you would have a, a dictator rising yeah. who is going to you know, shut the world down and shut down the advancement of the gospel 
at the same time yeah. that God is raising up a man of prayer that is going that knows how to pray through yeah. those obstacles. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah. significant to me. Yeah. And and so you can't you can't look at Reese's life of prayer without also looking at the rise of dictators. Yeah. And war. Yeah. And so Reese starts the school and then you get into like 1934, 1935, and he has an encounter with God and he has a vision for the future. It's God specifically talks to him about the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And, and it's in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, and the words, every creature, every creature, every mm -hmm. creature are just going through his mind. And he, he gets out of bed and, and God asks him, do you think I can accomplish this? And his answer is, of course, you're God, you can do anything. Yeah. And, and God says, do you believe I can do it in your generation? Wow. And his answer was yes. And then God says, do you believe I can do it through you? Mm -hmm. So you see, there's a development there. Yeah is not just to say, well, you're God, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Of course you can. It's not even just to say that God wants to do something amazing in a generation. Yeah. But he gets really personal. Mm -hmm. And he gets personal with each and every one of us. Anytime there's an invitation for a generation to respond to God, mm -hmm. there's also an invitation for you individually. And so that's the harder question to answer is, is do we believe that God could actually do it through us? Yeah. Can he do it through me? Mm -hmm. And if you say yes, that there's a hook. <laughs> yeah. God's got a hook in you now because now he wants to make you responsible yeah. for, for seeing that through. Yeah. So he launches what he called the every creature vision, mm -hmm. the, the completion of the Great Commission in his generation. Yeah. Immediately, as that vision is launched, you have the rise of these dictators. Yeah. On the global landscape, you have Mussolini rising as a dictator yeah. in Italy, you have Hitler rising as a dictator in Germany, yeah. you have Stalin rising as a dictator yeah. in Russia. Yeah. And, and that's really kind of the, the grand story of Reese's life is that it's God working through a man of prayer in the face of insurmountable obstacles. Yeah. We're talking about dictators, we're talking about wicked governmental systems we're talking yeah. about war and armies and the gospel either stopping or advancing in the face of those things and so reese believed that if god said he's going to do something yeah what he's looking for is a earth being who will say yes to it mm -hmm. and if he can find somebody to say yes then he it's somehow it's like it completes like this divine electric circuit mm -hmm. where you have the potential of heaven yeah. pressing in on the circumstances of mm -hmm. earth. If God can find agreement in the earth, if he can find a young man or a young woman that will say yeah. yes and amen, and, and just pray what God tells them to pray, then they make their appeal to God to do oh. what he said he wants to do. Yeah. And now you've got, through, through young men and women, you have God acting in partnership. Wow with us yeah this blows my That's mind amazing. because i think with prayer most of us just have a a real passive attitude that god's yeah. going to do whatever god wants to yeah do. yeah when the reality is god's looking for partners yeah he's looking for men and women that want to be a part of the storyline mm -hmm. god's got a story that he's telling and he wants he you know we're a part of it but he wants us to know what the story yeah. is to find 
you know, he wants us to, to turn the page and, and find our name in the story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and when you know where you're at in the story mm-hmm. and you have a yes in your heart, a yes yeah. and an amen, oh, God's wow. got a partner now. Amazing. And so then, then the question is, who are the dictators compared to that? Yeah. You know, rather than feeling like you're nobody mm-hmm. or a second stringer, or maybe you're just like warming yeah. the bench yeah. while the important people do the good stuff. Yeah. No, it's like if you, if you know what God wants to do and you're willing to say yes yeah. to it, like that then becomes an immovable force in the earth. A young man or a young woman acting mm-hmm. on the knowledge of God and his will in the earth. It, it is an unstoppable force in the face of anything that the devil has to throw yeah. at it, including dictators, mm-hmm. including unjust, wicked systems. Yeah including communism, John, yeah. including fascism, including yeah. Putin, like what you name it, like yeah. everything that is rising in the earth right now that looks like it's too overwhelming. Yeah. No, that stuff is, is nothing Wow. compared to a, a young man or a young woman that knows the will of God and is willing to say yes to it and say over my dead body. Yeah. Wow. Matt, so you briefly talked about Reese's time on the field. Um, you know, we have missionaries, you know, spread out around the world. And um, do you know roughly how long Reese was on the mission field? How long he was in? Five years. Five years, wow. And so what I find Reese's life so interesting is that, you know, so within five years, he sees 10,000. Right new believers, which like, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Like as a new missionary going to a new land, you know, you got to learn the language, you got to assimilate the culture. Yeah. While through all of that, you're preaching the gospel and you see 10,000 saved. And then afterwards, God calls him back home, starts a Bible college. And with that recent experience, he gives his life to intercessory prayer right yes. as the world's shutting down so that's see, right so the, the, there's a couple of decades in between world one and world war ii where everything's changing yeah so he he had to go from that like go mindset yeah to now you can't go yeah and so but i feel like that is the the prototype for this next wave of missionaries being sent out overseas is that yes they're called to proclaim the gospel, signs and wonders, discipleship, church plants, and all of that, but also at the same time, growing as an intercessor and knowing what's on the Lord's heart to agree, you know, with what's on his heart, just as what you're sharing. Can you kind of speak into that? What do you feel is the next breed or generation of missionaries that God is raising up? And what do you yeah, can you correlate the missions and prayer aspect in terms of preaching the gospel and intercession? Like, what does that look like? I think Reese's life is worth studying closely because the period of time that he lived in and the, the elements that he experienced, like the yeah. conditions that he experienced, we see a parallel set of circumstances right now. So this is one of the reasons why I'm looking at it so intensely, yeah. is because 
the what the shiftings and the things that are happening in the world right now they parallel mm-hmm. what happened in his lifespan yeah so i think that that it, it we need to pay very close attention i think for reese personally i think revival mm-hmm. shaped his life i think learning the, the hidden life of prayer yeah is it, uh, the way that developed was a critical element and and it was the willingness to go so when i look at his life like those three things like yeah. they all combine really in like this beautiful way yeah because he never left revival mm-hmm. he carried revival through his whole life that's right um what he learned in prayer he carried through his whole life it wasn't just something he did for a little bit you know he lived in a state of revival he lived yeah. in that place of prayer and communion with god and he never even when he couldn't go to the mission field he he never ceased to be somebody willing to go yeah right so the next breed right now number one i think they need to experience revival yeah and uh, you know we've been praying this for this for years that 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 this generation would experience an authentic move of god that yes. marks us in a way that that we can't be talked out of it. Yeah, I think there's been some glimmers of hope, mm-hmm. even in the last year. What happened at the beginning of 2023 mm-hmm. with the Asbury revival, yeah, and then the way that was beginning to touch college students, yeah, was huge. Um, I want to see more. Come on, you know. Yeah, it touched maybe 100 to 150 thousand people. But it needs to have a bigger impact yeah. than that. So, so we need we need revival. We, we got to pray for revival. You got to you got to yeah. cry out for this. Yeah. And then then too, we need prayer to be at the core of who yeah. we are. Yeah. We don't need a prayer life. We need a life of prayer. Yeah. And then three that that answer of scripture yeah. to go. Um, some of us will go. Mm-hmm. Some of us may stay. But you know. What, what's the old you know adage that says that there's only three kinds of Christians: yeah. those that go, yeah. those that send those yeah. that go, and the disobedient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you you fit into the one of those three categories. Yeah. Even if you go to the field for a few years and come back, but the rest yeah. of your life, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, we never we never leave. Yeah. That call. I think those are the three things that have to be present for this next round. Because, and here's the thing. Because we're in parallel times as Reese, I believe that there are challenges on the horizon that the current missions movement Mm -hmm. that is on the scene right now does not know how to function. So, Mm -hmm. So track this with me. The student volunteer movement that began in the 1870s and, and it continued up until World War I. Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't officially die until like 1929. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Great Depression, the, that global financial catastrophe ended missions. Mm-hmm. But most agree that it was World War I that ended the missions movement. Mm-hmm. And this is what we see throughout history is yeah. that when World War comes, it shuts down missions. And I'm not talking about there being rumors of wars here and there, little skirmishes. I'm talking about the big stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're now in a time where every mission society that is on the scene right now has only known the greatest time of peace that the earth has ever experienced. Wow. Statistically, yeah. the last 30 years 
it is the greatest time of peace that the earth has ever known. Wow. And so the missions movements only know how to function in a time of peace. Mm -hmm. But I believe what's coming in the near future is great conflict, possibly yeah. of the biggest sort. Yeah. And so we need a breed of missionaries that aren't going to crash into those walls and have to retreat. We need missionaries that know how to pray through That's right. those obstacles. Yeah. Because this, this will be the distinguishing factor of the missions movement that's emerging now, is that they will know how to exist and thrive in the field when the world is in a time of conflict war. Wow, wow. So in your personal life, you had a very intense and interesting season in terms of uh, your prayer assignment that the Lord specifically gave you in the United States. Could you yeah, unpack that, share a bit about that, and what were principles that you learned from Reese's life as you've studied his life? Um, yeah, how did Reese impact the assignment that the Lord gave you in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, so my personal story, you know, I, I was in the marketplace. I had a, a business career, and in 2004, I had a dream. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the main ways that God has really spoken to us through the years. Where you look at Reese's life, he just, it just seems that he had this listening here. He could, he could spend time alone with God and he could come out of the prayer room and he just knew what God was saying. Yeah. For us, one of the ways that God has spoken to us in that same way is through dreams. Mm -hmm. And so in 2004, I had a dream about something that I knew nothing about. And the Lord talked to me about the end of abortion mm -hmm. in America, specifically the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And depending on, you know, what your own experiences are. I recognize it can be a very controversial thing to talk about, but this is my personal testimony. Yeah. So I had a dream where God showed me his heart for the overturning of Roe v. Wade and how he was going to bring that about through day and night prayer. Oh. I didn't know anything about abortion at that time in my life, and I didn't know anything about prayer. I'm mm -hmm. sad to say, you know, for, I was the guy that poured it on like gravy at the end, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so I had this dream and I didn't know what to do with it, but I, I knew it was God. And we say it this way, it's like, I had a dream, but the dream had me. Mm -hmm. And I pray that this is something that you will experience if you're listening to this, is that there will be a moment in your life where God gets a hold of you in such a distinct way that you know it's him and you can't be talked out of it. Yeah. You can't make any excuses, you know it was God. And that's what this dream was for me. I knew it was God. And as I began to pursue it, God made a way for me to leave my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became a full-time missionary in Washington, DC. And so we talked about going to the hardest and darkest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> God sent me to Washington, wow. DC. Yeah. And it's where good people go to do bad things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I got there in 2005 and we had this, this dream. And, and a word from the Lord that he wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And at that time, you know, we had nothing but the dreams and faith to stand on because everything in the culture was absolutely against yeah. what we felt like God said. Like this, this had been the law of the land since 1973. Yeah. Like 
who do you think you yeah. are thinking that you could change something like that? Like this is entrenched in culture. This is never going to change. And we just dared to believe that God was going to do it. And we had a real, you know, specific way that God had us pray, where we had to go and, and pray in front of the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And and this is one of the things that Reese Howes learned about prayer. Th this is what intercession looks like. Mm -hmm. He believed that there were three parts to it. Number one is identification. Number two is agony. And number three is authority. Wow. Now, as people of faith, like we love to jump to the authority part. Yeah. Like I got scripture. Yeah. yeah. Jesus is everybody's boss. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so we, we want to go straight to the authority part. Yeah. And that works sometimes. But most of the time, God will invite us to pray about something that is impossible. Like, like there's no chance. Maybe it's somebody who's sick and, and, and God tells you that he wants to heal them, whatever it is. Or maybe it's something going on in the world. What we found is that Reese found that that first stage of identification, there would be some way of entering into the circumstances of what he was praying for. Mm -hmm. In doing that, he would experience what they were experiencing. Yeah, he had to, you know, and that's different than just me laying hands on you and mm -hmm. praying for you and hoping that God does something. Yeah, like if you're sick he found that God might invite you to into some circumstance where you would actually experience the same affliction yeah. that the person was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Very few people want to do this. Yeah. Um, we live in a pain averse culture. Mm -hmm. You know, pharmaceutical companies are built on the fact yeah, that we yeah. don't want to feel pain. Uh -huh. And, and so when, if, if God invites us into experiencing pain or discomfort, um, it's very difficult when we live in a culture that wants us to pull away from that. Yeah, yeah. And, and for us, we, we experienced this as well as we had to go and pray in front of the Supreme Court, but not with bullhorns and signs and protests. Yeah. We had to go and identify with the silence of the baby and boy. And this was our identification is we actually had to tape our mouths shut. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this is the whole Bound for Life movement is that piece of red yeah. tape over the mouth with the word life yeah. written on it. Mm -hmm. Is we didn't get to go shout and scream and yeah. yell and make our voices heard. We actually had to go stand in silence mm -hmm. and identify with the baby in the womb wow. that had no voice to defend itself. Yeah. And so that, that was how God kind of began to introduce us into this Reese House way of prayer. Mm -hmm. The second part is agony. And Reese learned that many times he would pray about something and then the exact opposite would happen. Rather than praying and seeing God answer the prayer, it would seem like the worst possible outcome would come about. And it's like, wait a minute, what, would ha you know, what happened? Yeah. And what he found is that there's this scriptural principle that a, that a seed has to fall to the ground and die mm -hmm. before there can be resurrection power. Yeah. And, and Reese learned that in his own prayer life that, that this is how God works. God wants to put something in us that, that won't back down mm -hmm. and refuse to take no for an answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so if God sent us to 
if God told us, I want to overturn Roe v. Wade, yeah. and we go pray and it doesn't get overturned, yeah. what are we going to do? Are we going to quit? Are we yeah. going to go do something different because it didn't happen? Yeah. Or are we going to stay there and say, no, God told me this is going to happen. Wow. And come hell or high water, I'm not going to back down until I see that happen. Right? Yeah. And so this is the agony part of it is when everything happens that's opposite mm -hmm. what you know is supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah. And for us, we had to stand in front of the court for years. Roughly how long? What was it? Ultimately, yeah. we stood there for 17 years, eight months and 21 days. Wow. So almost 18 years. Wow. And um, nothing made it more clear to me than in 2016, when, you know, we've been there for all those years from, two, you know, we started in 2004. Yeah. And it's now 2016. And there had been a big court case that had to do with abortion that had worked its way through all the appeals process and everything. So for like two years, mm -hmm. we knew that this case was supposed to be successful and yeah. it came to the Supreme Court and we thought this is it. Yeah. Like we're going to get this done and all the prayer, all the fasting, everything. Mm -hmm. And it was June of 2016 when we lost mm -hmm. that case. Yeah. And there were national newspapers that came out and it had our picture on the front page. We were on the front page of USA Today. Yeah. But the headline of one of the papers said, pro-choice victory, pro-life agony. Mm -hmm. with a picture of us or wow. a red life team. Yeah. And it was heart wrenching to lose. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that headline, I knew where I was. Wow. Cause this was what Reese taught is identification. Yeah. Agony. Wow. But the third part is authority. Yeah. If you have to go through this, this aspect of agony, agonizing through disappointment, agonizing through contrary circumstances to get to authority. So when I saw my face on the front page of the paper with the headline that said agony, I knew where I was. I knew I was on my way to authority. Yeah. And if I just don't quit, yeah. I know we're going to win, John. Yeah. And so that was 2016 mm -hmm. and we didn't quit. Well, we kept going and because we knew I had a word from the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and so we kept going and then out of nowhere, things began to change and the makeup of the court began to change. Yeah. You know, of course there's political stuff involved, you know, I don't want to get into all of that, but literally in the 18 years we stood in front of the court, mm -hmm. there are nine justices. Yeah. We presided in prayer over changing eight mm -hmm. of those nine judges. Wow. I say presided in prayer because in every single one of those changes, yeah, there we were. Wow, asking God, who do you want in the seat? Yeah, yeah. who do you want to keep out of the seat? And so we have a, a prophetic storyline through all of those years where we presided in prayer over the changing of yeah. the makeup of a government, a, the third branch of the yeah. United States government. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a big deal. And then that then sets the stage for another court case that came in 2022, mm -hmm. well, 2021, and then ultimately was decided in 2022. So on June 24th of 2022, mm -hmm. 
we entered into that place of authority and Roe v. Wade Whoa. was overturned. Whoa. It was 10, 10 a.m. And, and I was there. I was standing in front of the court the moment that Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so we were, were this, this is what, why I say that Reese has shaped our life of prayer so much is that we've experienced that same progression yeah. of saying yes to God and being willing to identify yeah. and go places that most Christians don't want to go. Yeah. And, and maybe that's an unreached people group. Maybe yeah. it's embedding with an unreached, yeah. you know, unengaged people group and experiencing what they experience and, yeah. you know, life as they experience it. Yeah. But then having to wrestle through all of the agonizing yeah. years yeah. of not seeing any answer to prayer, yeah. but then it, getting the breakthrough when then you get yeah. through the, the moment of agony wow. and you enter into authority. So here we are, mm -hmm. we have a testimony of 18 years of intercession and yeah. prayer, yeah. of receiving an assignment from God, refusing to leave. Yeah. And then actually seeing the fulfillment Whoa. of that promise. I mean, what was that like for you guys being there when the announcement came that it was overturned? What was that like for you having to stand there for almost 18 years going through agony? Yeah, what was that like for you guys? We knew it was done. Wow. Leading up to it. But it, it, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that when it actually happened. Yeah. So Psalm 126 describes this scene where Zions are coming back mm -hmm. and they've lost everything, right? That they, they only have a memory of what things were like before. Yeah. But it, it, but it says in Psalm 126, it says that when they return, mm -hmm. when they come back and God is gonna restore the fortunes of Zion, he says, we are like men who trained. And I was looking at a, a Jewish commentary on that and literally, it's when God does what only he can do, but what he promises yeah. that he's going to do. Yeah. It's so far beyond what we could have imagined that literally when you see it with your own eyes, you're like, pinch me. Yeah. I must be dreaming. Yeah. That that's what that means in Psalm 126. We were like men who trained. Wow. That literally now we're standing in the fulfillment yeah. of answered prayer. And what God is doing right now is so far beyond. But then it says this. It says yeah. that. It says that, can I just read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just need a second here to pull it up because I feel like this, this is big um, because it gets back to this whole Reese Howells way of thinking. So I read the part about we are like men who dreamed. And then it says in verse five, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaves with him. Maybe younger people won't even understand, you know, because us older folks, we remember there's an old church hymn, bringing in the sheaves, right? <laughs> you know, that's from this scripture. Yeah. What it's describing here is someone who walks out into a desert mm -hmm. where nothing can grow and you're carrying seed to sow. And there's no hope for rain to water that seed. Mm -hmm. And so the Jewish commentary said that you walk out into the desert with your seed and you water it with your own oh, tears. Wow. The seed that is watered yeah. with the tears that you shed has a guarantee of harvest. Wow. It, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If you water the seed with your own tears, it says here, 
you will come home with shouts of joy, wow. carrying sheaves, the bundles of the harvest. Yeah. You know, the harvest has now happened. You're coming home having experienced the yeah. harvest. Wow. And shouts of joy. Yeah. That is the promise of this Reese Howe's way of prayer. Wow. Is that that you go out into that desert with yeah. that seed. Wow. And the agony of shedding your tears mm -hmm. over the promises of God that you don't see yet. Those tears water the seed that God has given you to sow. And it comes with a guaranteed harvest. Wow. So is that what you would encourage missionaries and those that are in that phase of agonizing? Because I could see that a lot of times, you know, that's the phase where most people tend to drop out of mm -hmm. whatever assignment the Lord has for them is that stage of agony. And so, yeah, like, do you have a word of encouragement for those, just as you shared about how you were able to press in? I mean, your picture was on the cover of USA Today. I mean, I think most of us would have been like, you know what, I think that's it. I think that's the sign for me to move on, right. but you didn't. And so what would you say to other missionaries that are on the field? They feel like they're stuck in that place. They said yes, and then now they're in that phase of agony, but it's it's almost turning into despair. Yeah. What would you say to them to just, you know, to march on? That it's That's powerful. What you described there, despair is, is, is a powerful thing that I think probably every missionary yeah. experiences in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's when it's protracted mm -hmm. that it, I think it, it, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, we went through a lot of dark years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joseph, you know, he, he gets a dream as a young man, mm -hmm. a couple of dreams. His brothers hate him for it. Mm -hmm. You know, they throw him in the pit. They want to kill him because of this dream. But, but you know, he has a dream of, of the, the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down, you know, and the sheaves bowing down, right? And his brothers are like, wait a minute, you're talking about us. Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are? So he has this powerful vision of what God wants to do with him and his life. But then everything that happens, you talk about despair. He got thrown into a pit and yeah. sold into slavery. Yeah. And then even when he begins to crawl his way out of that mm -hmm. is when Potiphar's uh, yeah. the, the wife yeah. wants to have her way with him and he runs out, but then he gets accused of something he didn't do. And then he gets thrown in prison again. Yeah. So anyway, you talk about despair. Yeah. yeah I've heard it put this way. A lot of time is, is the pit is the promotion is, is, wow. you know, yeah. it's one thing for me to say, you need to be willing to go through that pit experience. Yeah. It's another thing to go through because it, despair is, is powerful. Yeah. And um, I think for me personally, what I've learned is that I, I'm very weak at, at digging my own way out of despair just by gritting my teeth. Mm -hmm. And, and that, like, if you're in that place of despair, you're not going to get out of it on your own power. Mm -hmm. There has to be a guiding word over your life. There's this really wonderful book called Dream mm -hmm. by Mark Rutland. It's a small book. Yeah. You can read it in one setting. Yeah. But it's, I would 
recommended okay. uh, that everyone read it. Okay. But it says this. That's where we get that language that Joseph had a dream, but the dream had Joseph. Yeah. And it said that in spite of the pit and the prison and everything that Joseph experienced in despair, he had a dream that was like a guiding constellation for mm -hmm. his life that even from the bottom of the pit, he could look up at the stars, that constellation of yeah. that dream, and it would guide him. Well, it would show him where his destination was. Yeah. And, and all of us need that. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're in the mission field and you're there because you thought it was a good idea, you need to get a word from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're in the field and you've lost sight of that, you need to rediscover. Mm -hmm. What is that guiding constellation? Yeah. What is this? What is the the dream that God put in your heart at the beginning? Yeah. That gives you a glimpse at the end of the story. And maybe you've been on the field for years and you haven't seen any fruit or maybe very little fruit. Yeah. What is that promise that God gave you? Mm -hmm. I've found that the only way out of the pit of despair is to lock back in. You need to get your bearings. Yeah. You, you know, this is what the sailors would do is you had to get your bearings based on yeah. what those stars were telling you. Because everything else, the, the sea and the waves are mm -hmm. all changing. For me, I had a dream. Yeah. God, God gave me a dream that became the guiding constellation yeah. of the last 18 yeah. years of my life. Yeah. And it was that he wanted, he was, he, not me. Yeah. He was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And he was going to do it through day and night prayer. Wow. And... And maybe there's something in that, that, you know, if you're not experiencing success in your mission, mm -hmm. just remember, you're not the one responsible for success. That's right. God's the one who's yeah. going to do it. Yeah. You know, um, maybe, maybe we're just here to shed blood. Yeah. Maybe we're here to shed tears. Yeah. And uh, God's going to get it done. Wow. And I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's an encouragement. Yeah. Um, I just know this that if I had quit one day sooner and, and not made it to the end, yeah. I would have so much regret. Wow. I think there's something that's more powerful than despair and it's regret. Yeah. Oh, that's In good. terms of like the impact on our hearts, mm -hmm. despair is powerful, but regret is worse. You just don't know when the breakthrough is gonna come. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why the encouragement is to just to have done all to stand. Yeah. Stand. Yeah. And um, maybe I would say this too, if you're not yet a missionary, mm -hmm. but maybe God's beginning to stir things in your heart. We always say this is going back to Psalm 126, pay close attention to your tears because your tears will be a highway to your vocation. Whoa. And I think of John Chow. Mm -hmm. You know, we both have looked at that young man's life yeah. intently. And as, as a high school student, mm -hmm. he was moved to tears over an unreached and unengaged people group. Yeah. And he began to weep over them and pray for them. And that then became a guiding constellation for his life wow. that, that ultimately led to his own martyrdom. Yeah. But I've drawn so much inspiration from that story, mm. you know, that, that it was God initiated and it was his, his destiny was paved in those tears. And so wow. pay close attention to yeah. the things that move you to tears wow. because God's probably mm -hmm. 
the one behind it. And he's stirring something in your heart. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks so much for sharing all these things. Um, what was that book again that you recommended about the dream? It's called Dream by Mark Rutland. Okay. And then what is a book on Reese Howell's life that you strongly recommend? There's a couple, but really the main one that everyone has been inspired by is a book by Norman Grubb, G-R-E-B-B, -B, mm -hmm. and it's called Reese Howell's Intercessor. Yeah. And then how can people stay in touch with you or track your ministry or, you know, website or anything? Yeah. So we're still in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Our mission there didn't end with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So yeah. we're right on Capitol Hill. And our website is jhopdc.com, jhopdc.com. Mm -hmm. And that's for the House of Prayer there on Capitol Hill. But then our pro-life outreach is called yeah. Bound for Life. Mm -hmm. And that website is bound, B-O-U-N-D, the number four, life.com. Awesome. Matt, we love you and we stand with you guys. You are a gift to the body. This was awesome. And I feel like what you shared is going to encourage everyone that listens and I'm super grateful for you and your wife and just you guys being so faithful. And so thank you. And uh, that's a wrap. Yeah.